I find then a law, and this is not in reference to the law of Moses, but there is a controlling and a regulating principle uh, that Paul finds. We see this, we can understand this, the first and second law of motion, law of gravity, we understand those are regulating principles that govern under certain circumstances. And when he says, uh, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Uh, Paul is finding, he's, he's coming to a conclusion. You and I do that, right? And that conclusion is based on our life experience. Well, this is Paul as a saved man experiencing life. And he says that I find them a law. And may I say to you, I say to myself this morning, you've probably said this to somebody before. Hey, learn from my experience so you don't have to learn it from your own experience. And in Romans 7, this is what Paul is trying to help us under the Holy Spirit's inspiration to understand. Paul's saying, hey, learn from my experience. Get a hold of this. I've experienced it. I'm trying to share it with you through the Holy Spirit's inspiration. But he says, look, evil, evil is present with me. You got to get a hold of that. I got to get a hold of that. Because our body of flesh is going to be a struggle for us until we get a redeemed body. And you don't have a redeemed body now. And it's going to be a struggle. This is the law of the sinful nature. And if you, if you deny this, you will wreck your life. Your soul is saved. You're fine. You're going to be eternally with the Lord. But in the meantime, if you want to be used by Christ here on earth for the limited time that he has given us, Paul says, look, you've got to get a hold of this principle. Evil is present. And I'll pinch myself. You can pinch yourself. And it's right there in your flesh. You've got to get a hold of that. I've got to get a hold of it because we'll, we'll, we will run our life straight down a bobsled to nowhere if we don't paul says look you've got to get this evil is there and it's like paul is standing back at a distance and i'd like all of us to do that this morning let's stand back at a distance and look at ourselves as it's it's kind of like what paul is doing now and he sees these two things he sees something that wants to do good and then something that wants to do evil it's like the little child. He looks at the cookie jar. He knows he loves mama and he knows he wants to obey. But there's also something else that's present there. I'm going to take that cookie because, and he reasons in his mind why the evil's okay to do. And he does. And at the end of it, he realizes when he gets caught, man, I knew what to do. I knew, but I didn't. That's what we're talking about. Christians got to get a hold. There's a carnal nature and a spiritual nature. If you think just because you're saved, you've just got this one spiritual nature and the indwelt Holy Spirit is just going to lead, guide, and direct you. Well, he will. It's just that you got something else present that is uh, not a spiritual nature. It's a carnal nature. And it's trying to squash the spiritual nature. 
Paul recognizes these two natures, and he wants us to as well. The old carnal nature always wants to go the way of the world. The spiritual nature always wants to go the way of Christ. We know what we should yield to. But Paul realizes in this chapter, he cannot depend on himself. Oh, dear Christian, please, please. I am pleading with you this morning. Do not try to rely on you. I've got to do the same thing. I can't rely on It has to be reliance upon Christ and his indwelt Holy Spirit. You ever try to get rid of your shadow? You can't. Because wherever you go, your shadow is right there to follow you. And you know what Paul said? Man, I'm just chained. I, I can't get out of my, I can't get out of the way of my shadow. I'm chained to it. And every time I try to do right, I just. And you know what happens? Frustration builds. And the tension builds. When you hear a song, at the end of that song, it comes to it. Anyone knows anything about music? That song comes to what? A rest. Tension builds in the song. The emotions build. Frustration might build. Conviction build. Whatever it is. But in music, you have something what's called, well, it comes to a rest. And it's relief. We're in the middle of the tension. We're in the middle of the frustration. Next Sunday and the Sunday after, we're going to get the full relief, the full deliverance, but we're not, we're not going to be quite there right now. But that is what is happening here. And I'm asking you to recognize what Paul recognized. This tension and frustration is going to continue to rise with this flesh battling against the spirit. Look at verse 22. Romans 7 verse 22. Then Paul says, for I delight. This is proof that he's saved. Watch what he's delighting in. In the law of God after the inward man. Unsaved man doesn't delight in that. This is Paul who is saved. He has been converted. It is no more that I to do it, but sin that dwelleth in me, he said earlier. He says, what I hate, that I do. That's what he said in verse 15. Who hates evil? Only a saved person hates evil. Hate the evil and love the good. People try to convince you that they're a Christian. You look at their life and they're doing, they seem to be enjoying sin and evil things. Psalm 97 says, ye that love the Lord hate evil. Anybody ever tell you you're hateful? All you're doing is telling them about the love of Christ, why he died, why he came, and say, you have a hateful message. We get this? David said of himself, I hate every false way. And then he said of the wicked, he abhorreth not evil. There should be a difference. 
in your life this morning, is there a difference? Or do you say that you're saved and when people, you couldn't convince them in a million years by the way you live? This is why people say, why would I get saved? The church doesn't look any different than the world. Talk about some of that this evening, but let's move on. He, he delights. He delights in the Lord. Back to Acts 26, you don't have to turn there, but he says, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Before you got converted, before Paul got converted, we were alienated from God. We were God's enemy. We were a child of wrath. And we were not seeking holiness. But now as a Christian, we are seeking holiness. But as we do that, there's this force this evil that's present within me, it's the flesh. <laughs> it's you. And causes you to not do the good that you would. Same, same. Romans 7, he's seeking holiness. He wants to be instructed out of the law in six, verse 16. Look what it says in Romans uh, 7, 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is what? Good. Then in verse 22, he says, look, I delight in the law. How do you know? How do you know somebody delights in something? They are persistent with it. Persistent. I asked my wife years back, we've been married. I asked her if we got married. You have these these discussions. Why why did you why did you marry me? Why did you agree to, to marry me? You ever ask this question? It's already you're already married. She said, uh, well, you were persistent. So I was kind of looking for you. You were kind of good looking or, you know, something like that. But that, instead I got, you are persistent. But there's some, there's some really deep truth into that. You know what the truth is, I realized? I saw something that was valuable to me. I saw something that was of a great price to me. And I couldn't get away from it. So I kept pursuing and pursuing and pursuing even after the no's, even after the rejection, even after, but I kept pursuing that. And you know something is valuable to somebody because they can't get away from it. They're constantly pursuing. And I'm telling you, I'm asking, what are you pursuing? Is it holiness? Is it the things of Christ? Even with failure, and we're going to talk about a little bit of that this afternoon, but even with failure, even with rejection, even with being mocked or made fun of, you'll, you'll that pursuit of Christ is still there. Praise Him. But we have four laws here I'd like to go through this morning. We have four laws mentioned, and the first one that we see uh, in verse number 22 is this law of God. He always says, in verse number 22, for I delight in the law of God. This originates in the new birth. 
it's part of a new order, but it's not the new world order. It's the new birth order. And it's after the inward man, amen. And it says, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And that's where you reside. Get a hold of that, Christian. It's the new man which is after God. And you know how it's after God? In righteousness and in holiness. Wait, there's more. Because, oh, if it were that easy, look at verse 23. But I see another law. Anytime you see after a semicolon, the word but, or anytime after a period and it's the start of a new sentence and you see the word but rather than the word and, that word but is denoting to you and I, look, you've got to see a clear contrast here. So that's what's coming up. Paul saying, but, in other words, pay attention because I'm about to contrast something completely different. And he's got a second law here. Watch it. There's, there's three of them here in this verse. He says, verse 23, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members." Let's look at the law of Paul's mind first. You see where it says in the middle, warring against the law of my mind? In his mind, he's got this law that's delighting in the law of God, and it's consenting to the law of God. In his mind, he, he delights in the inward man, that new man. Paul, in his mind, he knows he's after God. He knows he's created in Christ Jesus, the righteousness and true holiness. That's what's in his mind. That's the law of his mind. Then he has the law of sin. You see where it says, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin. Verse 23, right in the, right, right in the middle there, toward the end. And that's located in his members. And that doesn't originate in the new birth. That originates in Adam. That's of the flesh. And that law of sin is always bent toward evil. Its tendency is to sin. Its tendency is away from righteousness and true holiness. And it wars against the, the, the law of Paul's mind. <clears throat> it's like the city that's constantly under attack. The army is stronger. It's an onslaught of attack. And as much as that city tries to overcome the enemy, the army is just too powerful and it overcomes it. That, my friends, is your flesh. That is my flesh. If. We try to do this thing on our own. What's Romans 7 trying to get us to get a hold of? Try it on your own and you're going to find out you will fail. You will be like the city being overtaken by the more powerful army. And you're going to end up 
that city now is held captive. And if you and I aren't careful, as Christians, saved, blood-washed, on our way to heaven, eternally secure, no problem with our soul, and after we die, it's settled, it's done, we're good. Yeah, those people, us, usins, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, during this life, we will be overtaken by the flesh. Soul saved, but we can't get any victory down here. I want to live. I want to live for Jesus Christ. Do you? I do. Amen. It's a defeating law. We have no power in ourselves. So what's the lesson? Don't live a defeated life. Live a dependent life on Christ and his indwelled Holy Spirit. Seems simple enough. Nonetheless, that's where we're at. This fourth law, here, here's where it's at. In the beginning of verse 23, we'll look at it from the beginning. He says, look, it's, this isn't the law of sin. This isn't the law of my mind. He says in verse 23 at the beginning, but I see another law in my members. And you know what? It's running a very successful campaign against Paul. And if you're not careful, it's going to run a successful campaign against you to get you to fail living this life as a Christian. And you see what he says? But I see another. You know what that's called? Discernment. Paul sees it. He's discerning it. Most Christians don't see it. They won't, they won't discern it. They just as well get swept away by this modern idea. Don't worry about sin. Oh, Icky, we're not going to talk about the flash. Come on in. We've got uh, a dance hall. We've got a party over here. We've got some worldly music. Just come on in. Don't worry about any of that stuff. It's all a distraction to get you to think that you're living on. And then comes a church like this or a preacher that would open up the word of God and try to make you feel bad when you come to church. Because, I mean, that's a that's a grave sin right there. I want to feel convicted when I come to church. I want to open up the word of God and have the word of God beat me, beat my flesh down. It needs to be kept at bay. It has to be kept in subjection. You know what we don't want today? We don't want that. We don't want to see it. So you have millions upon millions of people going to buildings on a Sunday. Why are the lights out? Why are the lights dimmed down? Why are we in darkness? Why are there lights and smoke and bands and girls and guys and shaking this and moving that and big screens and movie nights and Hollywood, but it's not really Hollywood because it's in the church and we're going we're gonna to do this. Why? 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 They don't want anybody to feel bad about their sin. They don't want anybody to feel bad about their being trapped by their body of flesh. You're not free. You're in bondage because you don't hate evil things.
if I were to say to you this Friday, we're going to meet here at the church at six o'clock. We're going to pray for 45 minutes. We're going to pray for 45 minutes, not four minutes, not five minutes, not four to five minutes, 45 minutes. We're going to go out and we're going to take the young people. There's a big event going on, so we know people are going to be there. We're going to try to give some gospel tracks out. And if there's a little pocket at, at the square or the corner or wherever we're at, we might ask one of the men to just lift their voice and proclaim Christ crucified. We're going to do that for 45 minutes. Then we're going to come back to the church house and we're going to rehearse how it went. We're going to pray for another four Would you be there? And if you're 65 years old or older, would you commit praying about that while the younger ones went out and did that? But you know what's happened? That idea has been completely squashed. Instead, it's this. I want you to come to the church house. We're going to have this movie we're going to play. And after the movie, we're going to have a pizza party. And after the pizza party, we're going to have a water slide. And after the water slide, we're going to see who wants to accept Jesus into their heart because, well, we fed you with pizza and we gave you a water slide. And now we're going to make a little bonfire and we're going to have all the kids get excited about everything except Jesus. And then we're going to slip a little bit of Jesus in at the end. The preacher, that's kind of mean. It's not mean, it's reality. Do you want righteousness and true holiness? Do you want the flesh to be at bay? And start yielding to the Holy Spirit and doing spiritual things. Are you against fun? No, I thought that was fun. I thought that was fun. I thought that's part of the fun of the Christian life. Why do most young people know what the top 10 hits are on the charts? Do they call them charts anymore? On the... But they couldn't name you 10 hymns out of the hymn. Why do most kids know and can repeat back whatever the phrases are in their favorite movies that are pumped out of Hollywood, yet they can't give you five verses out of the Bible? Why? I'm going to tell you why. This flesh. This flesh. And I am ta- I'm not talking about the world. I am talking about saved people who are blood washed, who are on their way to heaven, 
because they've honestly, truly trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they would never give you any other testimony other than that. Those people. I don't want to be that. And I'm asking you to not be that. I want you to see it. I want you to discern it. I want you to see. Because if you don't see this or you're unwilling to see this, you're not going to move forward. You're just going to be stuck here. That law in my members is a regulating principle. And it's stronger than that law of Paul's mind. And it's leaving him captive to sin in his members. And he calls it another law. Paul's not happy about his sin. He says in verse 14, look, I'm sold under sin. The problem today is Christians are happy sinning. And they don't get a hold of Romans 7 and see. Paul's going nuts Because he doesn't want to be like that. He doesn't want to be carnal. You mean I got to pray? Yeah, why wouldn't you want to pray? But in 10 days, if we did a big romance dance and we had a big uh, couple's dinner, we could sell tickets out the wazoo. <laughs> People don't want Christ. They want to act like they're doing Christian things and they never tell anybody about Jesus Christ. They want to act like they're living a holy, righteous life by just calling everybody else that would even compel them to think about their life in righteousness and true holiness. They're, they're, those are icky words. Those are legalistic people. Stay away from those people. Do you realize the modern church is built to be completely and 100% against what we are preaching this morning? And there are churches just like our church spotted across America. That are crying out, pleading the same thing. This world doesn't care about you. Christ does. And these modern churches, they don't care about your family. They don't. They got a big mortgage to pay. And they got a career to make. They got money they need. You think I'm doing this for money? You out of your mind. The hours of labor. The hours of anguish. For Christ. What are you doing? What are you doing? I gotta wake up at three o'clock in the morning and not get to sleep till five thirty because of my stupid flesh and trying to keep my flesh at bay so it doesn't lead me to get away from the things I know I ought to be doing. If I had it my way, if my flesh had it my way. I'd be out in the woods of my tractor all day, away from people, if my flesh had it my way. But I want Christ to have his way. And I want to love people. 
And I want to witness to people. Because Christ is having his way. If I had it my way. It'd be a lot different. It'd be a lot different. Give me a place where I can go to just sit back in a corner. Enjoy the show. And then go back home to my life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You've got senior citizen saints, 65 years and old, that sit back and wonder, when is it going to be like the good old days? You know why they wonder that? Because the young people ain't doing it. Because of this. And it's your enemy. And your flesh is against God. We have to stop taking the presence of our fallen nature lightly. It is a very serious matter. I'm not talking about your salvation. This is to save people. But it is not, it should not be a normal experience for Christians. It's a legal experience for Christians. Because you can't keep the law, lost or saved. It's just going to put you in more bondage. I'll leave you with this story. And then we'll close out in prayer. I think I've said just about enough. A drunk can see the ruin ahead of him. He has moments of soberness where he's not drunk from the bottle. And in those moments, he can look back and he can remember, look, I had some sobriety. He can look back and say, you know what? I had some purity of my mind before the bottle. So you know what he says? He just says, look, I'll quit drinking. He knows drinking isn't going to do him any good. But his problem is this. His appetite for drink is so strong. That he goes back to what? The bottom. And this cycle repeats itself continually until this drunk dies. He wants to do right. He really does. But he does wrong instead. And I am here to put forth to you this morning. That is not normal. But being drunk, being a drunkard is nothing compared to a saved man or a saved woman. That is led around by their evil nature of their flesh. The drunk has one issue. The bottle was drink. The saved person who's been blood bought. All of his members of his flesh. He's getting hit from side to side. And Paul finally cries out. Oh wretched man that I am. We'll look at that next Sunday. But don't be like the drunk. Don't be like the drunk. Don't be led around by your flesh. That drunk's never going to succeed until Jesus Christ unshackles him. You say, well, that's, that's salvation. Yeah, it is. But in your Christian life, we, we got to stop saying, look, I'm saved, and when it's all over, I'll be in heaven. Great. I agree. You will. But that is a way as it, that is used as an excuse to just take the power of our flesh and to take sin lightly. And we ought not do that. 
Don't be like the drunk that's just controlled by the evil law of sin in your flesh. Be led by the Spirit of God. Die daily. Seek Him. And find your dependence and your victory in righteousness and true holiness because you were created in Christ and the good works. And you keep trying realize that battle's there and stop relying on the flesh and be dependent on God's spirit, please.